listening to the Word Alive International Outreach Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, visit wordalive.org. We hope you enjoyed this message from Beverly Mattis. Share a little testimony with you because we have a powerful message that uh, Miss Bev is going to bring to us this morning. And, and I just know without a doubt it's going to be a blessing. And we talk about, we hear this over and over again about breakthrough, breakthrough, and spiritual breakthroughs or whatever. But my experience years ago, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. Have you ever had a challenge where it feels like you're stuck? You're not going forward, and you're not going backwards, but you're stuck like Chuck. You're saved, but you're stuck. I've had that experience. And, and no matter how I pursued God, I was stuck like Chuck. I was saved, but I was stuck. And I can remember one Sunday morning, most of you don't know this, most of y'all think I've been Pentecostal all my life the way I act, huh? But I come from the Baptist church. Don't get excited about that. That was my... I come from the Baptist church, and I remember sitting in the back of a church one Sunday, Baptist church, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and it wasn't from an inward spirit. It was audible. I heard him. And he said, there's more to me than what you see. And and I thought I was losing my mind, and I said, what? And I heard him again, and he said, there's more to me than what you see. And I said, so now I'm having this dialogue in my spirit because I can hear him in the audible. So what am I supposed to do? I can't get up and leave. My husband is here. I always blame it on my husband, (laughs) just like they blame it on us. And he said to me, he said, in two days, he's going to tell you it's time to go. And lo and behold, my husband worked at night and he would sleep during the day. And he got up one morning, he said, hey, it's time for us to depart that church. And I looked at him. Now, he doesn't know I had this conversation. And I said, so where are we going? He said, I don't know. But I want to fast forward it. We created a master plan since we had to depart that church. We didn't know where we were going that we would visit churches for 30 days, you know, still in that Baptist mindset. I'm just keeping it real. And I'm not discarding any church or any, I'm just keeping it real. And I knew there was a void, even though I was saved, but I was stuck and I needed a breakthrough. I knew that much, but I didn't know how to make that, I didn't know how to make that happen. So for 30 days, we created a plan, and the first church we entered was a full-blown, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled church. And I can remember the pastor asking for anybody to come to the altar, if you, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come to the altar. Now, to this day, I can't tell you how I moved from the chair to the altar but I got there but let me keep it real for you when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit received the gift of the Holy Spirit my eyes was open I walked into a whole nother mindset no more was I stuck like Chuck y'all need to get excited about that I'm talking about a breakthrough You see, because sometimes we can be in a place and we call it a funk. We don't know why we're in this place, but there's something else God needs to finish up in us and we don't get up and we don't move because we're comfortable where we are. And so my whole life flipped. So the next morning we go to the 5.30 a.m. prayer and I'm over there in the corner and I said, Lord, you've baptized me. What about my husband? He said, well, you didn't ask me. So my ear, it's like my ears grew 
and I can hear this voice, and on the other side, my husband was being baptized in the Holy Ghost instantly. Why am I sharing that with you? Because somebody in here is stuck. Wherever you may be, you need a breakthrough in your finances. You mean you need a breakthrough in your marriage. You need a break. Whatever you need a breakthrough, only answer to that is Jesus. And you got to get to a place that you're not satisfied where you are. You got to get to a place where you're willing to get up off the pews and out the chair and get where he is. See, because when a fresh wind is blowing, listen, I'm telling you, when it comes, you got to be in a position to receive it. So I'm trying to tell you today, get ready. Today is your day for your breakthrough. Don't get comfortable where you're sitting today. We need you to move as the Lord gives you direction. And so before I even bring Miss Bev up to this podium here, listen, I know this woman is an overcomer. Anytime you are ministering in a clientele of this large, there are some things to overcome. And so who can best talk to us about breakthrough <laughs> than this woman of God right here? So, so listen, let's be attentive to what she's going to share with us. Open ourselves up because you don't want to leave the same way you came in. I don't know about you, but how many of you need a breakthrough? Come on, come on, stand to your feet. Come on, Miss Beverly, and welcome her to the stage. I don't know if you need a breakthrough, but come on and rejoice knowing that your breakthrough is today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, I thought we were about to be raptured. I was, I was caught up in the, the whole, I was like, I'm, I'm breaking on through. Good morning, everybody. All right, let's just give him one more shout of praise. You may be seated. I want to take just one quick moment. Um, gosh, we've had such a full service already this morning. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've broken through several different things. First of all, I'm here. And the week that we've had, everybody went in different directions this week. And I thought, Lord, you really, really trust me. Because everybody that I would normally count on to be here, they all, they're out of town, including my husband. So if you're watching online, I love you. I pray that the anointing is destroying the yoke of bondage there in Argentina. And I look forward to hearing a praise report. Amen. But I want to take this opportunity to take all of the teams that make our, our experience here at Word Alive happen. This worship team, the media department, the vault, come on, yes, I want to honor them. And I thank God for them. I, I was talking to John Crutchfield this morning who has been just a part of our lives and a part of this team for so long and I am so thankful for him. But if you see this uh, long-haired, tall guy going back and forth, back and forth every Sunday, that's John Crutchfield. And I said, John, I said, I'm not sure that our congregation has an idea of what it takes to make this happen. So I want to celebrate them and honor them and thank God for them just one more time. And in the spirit of that, I have a little story before I start teaching. We've got a lot of time. I know y'all with this one service, you don't mind if we leave about three-ish, three? That's what I'm saying. If we're here till three or four this afternoon, it's all good. All right, in the spirit of doing my very best, I mean, there is so much preparation and prayer that goes into everything that happens here. I mean, Kent really puts his heart, his spirit, his soul, his body into preparing a message. And, and I've done the same And because I'm a girl. And the truth of the matter is y'all see me, you know, Sundays and I'm dressed and I try to have my hair and my makeup done. But for those of the team that work with me during the week, a lot of them see a completely different Bev. Because I do a lot of work here on the grounds. I do a lot of work here in the building. And normally I don't have any makeup on. I have my hair up in a three-day without a shampoo ponytail. About that time it's looking really good. You girls know what I'm talking about. But then I have to wash it, which is what happened to it today. So I was having lunch with a colleague the other day. And I thought just in the spirit of not only being prepared spiritually, that I was going to break through and I knew I was going to get dressed for Sunday. And I really wanted to have my best for you all today. I do. I really want to give you my best. 
And as we were, we were having our, our time together, I noticed she had the most gorgeous set of eyebrows. Now, I personally have very platinum blonde eyebrows. You can't hardly see them, so I put a little shadow on them. And I was just sitting there admiring her eyebrows. Girls, do y'all ever do that when you're, you know, it's like, oh, how did you get? She goes, well, I bought this little thing at Dollar General. And she said, you go, and it just shapes them right up. And I said, God, that sounds good. I think I could do that. So I went to Dollar General, and sure enough, I found that great little, it's just a little wand thing, and I put my AAA battery in it, and I walked right in the bathroom, and I went, thinking about all of y'all all the time and how good I was going to look on Sunday morning. And then I put my glasses on, and I realized I had shaved my right eyebrow off. <laughs> I shaved my entire eyebrow off. So now, in the spirit of really bringing you my best and looking good, just I want to encourage all of you girls who think you're going to go get that little wand and you're just going to go, note to self, if you wear contacts or glasses, make sure you put them on before you do the little I do believe that the Lord has really prepared an amazing word today about breakthrough. And uh, several months ago, we had a, a true experience here where the, the Holy Spirit uh, led me to pray for us, you know, some of us who are trying to break through. For me, the breakthrough was trying to draw my eyebrow on this morning before I got here because I look really wide awake because I had to do something to match up to the eyebrow. So now I'm just... I am wide awake, but as I was standing there, I realized that was a little breakthrough for me this morning just to get here. But there's the breakthrough, and then there's the fall-through sometimes, and then there's the follow-through. And we all are breaking through so many different things on so many different levels at all times. But um, I wanted to encourage you. Recently, we've been talking about the 40 days of blessing. And I want to remind y'all about the month that we're in because I think it's very important because we're headed into the head of the new year. And we're getting ready to head into a time of feasting. Feast of Tabernacles is coming up. Yes. So historically, Elul is the month known as the Eye of the Needle. And the name of the month is an acrostic of the Song of Solomon, which after this amazing tidal wave of love that has been poured out this morning, I think that it's very important that we understand that the month Elul really means I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Hallelujah. Whew. Let's just stay right there for just a second. Just breathe him in. Mm. This month is also a time to shed off things that are holding us back or keeping us down in order for us to move into the fullness of next month and its feast. We are to watch for opportunities to update things that are outdated or to fix things that are broken. This is a time in the natural realm, in our own personal process, to move forward with clarity and purpose in the spiritual realm and to be diligent to wrap up the old season so that there are no loose ends to be dealt with before stepping into the new spiritual year. Joel 2, 13 and 14 demonstrates moving out of those cycles of defeat into cycles of blessing. Change your life, not just your clothes or your eyebrows. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath, puts up with a lot. This most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. He'll do it now. He'll turn around and when all's said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust for you. This is the God we serve. Now, Jackie just talked about her master plan. And so today what we're going to focus on is strategy. The whole 
strategic moving into the next season of what God has for us. Jackie had a strategy. She knew she was stuck. She knew she wasn't going anywhere, and she knew there was more. And regardless of where we are in our faith walk, we're always going to come up against opposition. And the way that I look at it, it's like when, when you are in an, uh, an exercising uh, routine, and all of a sudden you hit a wall. Come on now, you know it happens, and you don't want to do it anymore. I've learned that those walls are there for us to stretch not only our natural muscles, but we have obstacles in our life. We have walls that are there so that we can stretch our spiritual muscles and we can move out of places that we've been stuck. Come on now, you know I'm going to get a preach on, so I really want some help in the house. Oh no, I need a little bit more encouragement than that. Because we, we get stuck. And the thing about getting stuck is it sometimes is neither good nor bad. You're just stuck. So we need a strategy. So this is the month to set things in order to have a strategy to return to God. And realize that sometimes our greatest strengths can be found while trusting God through our greatest obstacles. Psalm 61 tells us, when I am overwhelmed, my soul hopes in you. So do we have that? Um, I want to go ahead and put the little slide of strategy up there so that can be up there while we're talking about this. So several years ago, I was writing an article, and I came across this teaching, and it's uh, King David. And you know, King David really came up against some obstacles. You know, first of all, uh, he was illegitimate. He was looked down upon. He was always out in the field with the sheep. His brothers really didn't want to have anything to do with him, and his daddy was ashamed of him. Come on now. Does anybody else relate to that? Has anybody in this room overcome an orphan spirit? Has anybody in this room overcome rejection? Has anybody overcome what it feels like to be dejected and despondent and in despair? Yes, we all have. And your experience isn't mine and mine isn't yours. But King David had an anointing on his life, you see. When Samuel anointed him, who anointed him? Was it Samuel? Help me. That's right, it was Samuel. And what did Samuel say? He said, not that one. <laughs> he said, are you sure? How about this other one? Right. Has anybody in your life ever told you, no, not that one? But you know, but that you know, but that you know that God said, oh, that's right, I've called that one. I've called you. Yes, 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 God has called you. And so we find King David going out to face another battle. And this is in 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 25. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines, at the time those were the giants in the land, went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. Then David inquired of the Lord saying, oh, do you hear that? What did he do? He inquired of the Lord. You see, here's one of our first strategies right here. Sometimes we just need to inquire of the Lord. We got to have our hearing ears on. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal Perezim and defeated them there, and he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal Perism. The Lord breaks through. So what we are going to do today is we are going to allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to enlarge our capacity to hear the voice of God. Because you see, David had a strategy. And before they went into this battle, when David inquired the Lord, 
He said, you shall not go directly up. Circle around, but come on now. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear, come on, the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. And you know what that balsam tree symbolizes? That's God's people. You see, so what God was saying to David was, when you hear the sound of marching in the balsam tree, you're going to hear the sound of my people, a mighty army. Come on now. And when you hear that sound of marching, I want you to go up. Then you shall act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. So this is our strategy. We have to inquire of the Lord. And we also have to wait for him to go before us. And the thing about the Lord when he goes before us and wages war against all of our enemies and we battle with an orphan spirit and we battle with rejection and we battle with all of the different things that keep us stuck, his banner over us is love. He is my beloved and I am his. And so when we wait and inquire of the Lord, he puts strategies in place. Today we're going to talk about strategy to break through. It's time for God's army to be on the offensive, not the defensive. And whatever giants we are overcoming, and we are all battling giants in our own field, we will defeat those giants. So this, oh, it's not still there. Strategy. A plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. The art of planning and directing overall military operations and movements in a war or battle. A plan for military operations during a war or battle. When we don't have a strategy, sometimes we break down. Isn't that what Jackie was talking about? Everything that she knew was breaking down so that she could receive something new. Something that would bring life. She was ready to embrace a change. Sometimes a breakdown can be the beginning of a kind of a breakthrough. A way of living in advance through a trauma that prepares you for a future of radical transformation. So what happens when we break through? What we have to understand about this breakthrough mentality and having a strategy, it's for everyday life. It's for as soon as your feet hit the floor every morning that you're seeking the will of God. You're hearing his voice. You're waiting for clear direction. You're waiting for him to tell you how to raise your children, how to interact on your job, what's going to happen to you in every environment that you go in. And so you go in like a soldier. You go in prepared for battle. You go in to reap the blessings. You go in to plunder the war booty. That's what living on the offensive looks like instead of getting up every morning going, oh, God, it's morning. Oh, God, I've got to go in there and take care of those teenagers. Oh, God, I've got to fight my way to work. Oh, God, I'm going to have to fight my employer when I get there. I'm going to have to fight, fight all of my coworkers. No. When you have a strategy and you're listening to God, then you're going in prepared. And uh, let's go to this slide of the, uh, the Roman soldier. Several years ago, I was having lunch with a friend, and she was a new friend, and she looked at me at about halfway through the conversation, and she said, I have a question for you. And I said, what is it? I was excited. You know, you're meeting someone new, you're learning things about them. She said, I need to know so that our relationship can develop. Are you a God girl? a Holy Spirit girl, or a Jesus girl. Well, nobody had ever asked me anything like that before. 
But before I even knew what was going to come out of my mouth, I said, I'm a Holy Spirit girl. And the power that came into that room and that table, I am a Holy Spirit girl. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change things. And one of the very first revelations I got a hold of was Ephesians 6 and the whole armor of God. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at this soldier and I want you to go way back to when the Apostle Paul was walking the earth and what he saw. You see, this is what a Roman soldier looked like. He's got on a helmet. He's got a shield. Right? He's got on little sandals down there. He's got a sword. Now, let's go to, to our contemporary soldier. Now, if we, were, if we were writing a letter encouraging people in the spirit, this is what a soldier looks like to us. But when you wake up every morning and your strategy is to put on just like Ephesians 6.10 tells us, you, you have done everything to withstand the enemy. You have done everything to fight, and you realize that you are not battling what? Flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness and principalities and powers in high places. And you realize that you have done all that you know to do by putting on your breastplate of righteousness, by girding your loins with truth, putting on your shoes of peace, putting on your house. Yes, I mean, Jackie's helping me, but I'm not hearing a lot from the rest of you. You're putting on your helmet of salvation. You've got your shield of faith, and you've got your sword, which is the word of God, the spirit of the living God that sets apart spirit from flesh. Now see, you're armed for battle when you move into that kind of strategy. There's power in that. So another friend of mine and I were having breakfast one morning. Actually, I think we may have just had coffee. I just dropped by unexpectedly. And she was sharing with me that she had really recently had a revelation about breakthrough. And how to walk in breakthrough in every area of your life. And she said, you know, there are six military strategies. And I said, really? Only six? And so I did a little bit of research. And uh, let's, let's, see, let's see this slide. Uh, is, there, is there one that, that compares it to Ephesians 6? Okay. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at this. And as I'm reading it to you, you read along. Because what I came to realize is there are seven military strategies that when a soldier is being trained, and they line right up with Ephesians 6. So this is what happens when we're on the defensive, and we are the victim. We have an enemy coming in that is trying to take our territory, to take our possessions, to take our peace, to take our children. The list is infinite. It goes on and on and on of what the enemy is trying to destroy in our lives. So here's, here's the military strategy for it. Usually, large force is employed on a relatively small portion of the front to achieve this. Come on, this is where the helmet of salvation comes in so handy to protect our minds. You see, it's because that one small little thing, that one small seed, that word, when somebody has spoken something to you that destroys your peace. While the line may have held for a long while prior to the breakthrough, the breakthrough marks a relatively small time frame where the pressure on the defender leads him to snap. Mm. Do I need to say that again? Oh, you see, the pressure builds up. Things happen in life. You don't have any peace. You run out of money. You got far more month than you do money. Your finances are wrecked. Your relationships are wrecked. And you've held the line and you've held the line, but then that pressure is applied, you see, and then you snap in a very short time span. As the first unit breaks, the adjacent units suffer adverse results from this, spreading panic, adding additional defensive angles, threats to supply lines. And since they were already pressured as well, this leads them to snap, causing a domino-style collapse of the defensive system. Anybody else relate to this? Has this happened in anybody else's life but mine? Can you see the plan of the enemy? Now, see, this is how soldiers are trained. So if you're on the defensive and they know your weakness, oh, come on now, there's more. The defensive force thus evaporates at the break, 
through point, giving the attacker the option to rapidly move troops into the gap, exploiting the breakthrough in width by attacking enemy units at the edge of the breakthrough, thus widening it. In depth, advancing into enemy territory and strategic objectives or a combination of both. Breakthrough is accomplished. The territory is now in possession of the offensive troops. Can you see how that works in your life? An area that you're vulnerable in. The enemy sends in words, judgment, accusation. Steals your peace. Tries to steal your children. Tries to steal your blessings. But then, here we go. What happens? The whole armor of God, I've already told you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's strategy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what do we do? We stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now take up the shield of faith with which you can quench every fiery dart of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to withstand your ground, and after you have done all to withstand, then stand. Can you see it? You inquire of God. You determine whether he's going before you. Then you dress yourself and your, your whole armor of God. And then you join the army of God. And you put the enemy on the run for a change. You see, that's what breakthrough looks like. That you're not constantly being victimized and stolen from and beaten down and your life being destroyed and addictions coming in. Why? Because people self-medicate because they can't take the pressure. The important strategy is when we have done all to withstand, then we stand. But sometimes it still takes an overwhelming breakdown to have an undeniable breakthrough. So I don't know if you ever feel like that man of God, Job, in the Bible. If you really know his story and you think about Job was just living his life, believed God. God called him a friend of his. Didn't we just learn that we're friends of God? Isn't that what that whole worship was about? We're friends of God, right? But God sees us when we get stuck. And in God's opinion, his friend Job was stuck. He was blessed. He had everything, beautiful family, thousands upon thousands of herds and riches. And in that time, that's a wealthy man. That's a wealthy man. And so I can look at the parallels there because in my own life, I've overcome poverty. My mother could do so much with welfare, cheese, and peanut butter. My God, we never knew the difference. Never knew the difference. I lived in a housing project. My dad in prison. My mom didn't even know how to drive a car until she was 37 years old. I can take you to the very spot. I didn't know I was making a declaration, and I didn't know that all these years later I'd be standing in a congregation where making a declaration made a difference. But I made a declaration, and I know now it was to God. I will never, I will never become the victim that I have seen my mother be. I will never become the statistic that this little town tells me I'm going to be. I will not be dead in a ditch.
life. Abused, molested, raped, beaten, stalked. I'm telling you, I've had my own giants, you see. But at a very, very, very pivotal time in my life, I was 14 years old. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that that was not going to be who I was going to become, you see. I wouldn't have called it a strategy, but I had a made-up mind. Now, as an adult, I've battled every kind of infirmity you could possibly think of. Kidney, liver, brain, broken bodies, cancer. But I made up my mind, you see, that I had a purpose and that God had promised me a few things. And to appropriate and to attain those things, I couldn't stay stuck anywhere. Oh, come on now. I got your attention now. Because you see... God's called every one of you. That's the purpose of the breakthrough, you see. If I stayed stuck just in all of the infirmity that I have battled in my life, forget the emotional battles, forget the breakdowns, forget the spirit of suicide that for a season there, every single time I closed my eyes, it gave me a different way. Come on now, anybody in here battling that, be free. Gave me a different way that I could just go ahead and check myself out of here. For years and years and years. But you see, God had a plan. God has a plan. And all of the times that I thought I had just disappointed God and failed so miserably, he kept bringing me right back into the fold, right back. And that emotional torment and the pain that I had disappointed him and that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish what he had asked me to do. You see, this story in here about Job isn't just a story in the Bible. And look, whether it's allegorical or whether he was a real guy, I'll leave that up to you and God to discuss all that. All I can tell you is this. Job was minding his own business. He was a friend of God. He was a man of God. People came miles and miles to hear his wisdom. But the angels in heaven came back to give God on the throne a report. And with them came Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Anybody in here been accused? And see, the truth of the matter is there's always little truth in it. Maybe Job did grow a little prideful. Maybe we have made mistakes. There's always a little truth with the lie. But the accuser came in, and he just started accusing. And this is what gets me. It wasn't Satan accusing Job. God said, hey, <laughs> hey, have you considered my friend Job? So what does that tell me? God's friend Job was stuck. And God wasn't going to leave him there. So here we are, friends of God. And we're battling enough giants in the land. And God knows he's called you to do something. You know God's called you to do something, but you're stuck. Amen. What was it that she kept saying? Stuck like Chuck. I hope there's nobody named Chuck up in here. Stuck like Chuck. Poor Chuck. Poor Chuck. Be free, Chuck. So God says, have you considered my friend Job? And look, this is what happens to Job. If this resonates with anyone in here but me, let me tell you what. Let's all get together afterward and talk. Because this, in a nutshell, is my life on so many different levels. And I think you're going to recognize elements of your life in here as well. Job's sons and daughters were having a feast in the home of his oldest son. Everybody's having a big celebration, living large, having a big time, plenty to eat. Plenty to wear, crops in the field, all is well. 
When someone rushed up to Job and said, while your servants were plowing with your oxen and your donkeys were nearby eating grass, even their cows and donkeys and oxen, everybody's well fed, a gang of Sabians attacked and stole the oxen and donkeys. Your other servants were killed, and I was the only one who escaped to tell you. That servant was still speaking. He hadn't even finished bringing the bad news yet. Does, does, it, does it happen for y'all in threes? I'm telling you, for us, it's like you get the bad report, and then before you can even get that registered and processed, you got more coming down the pike. He says, that servant was still speaking when a second one came running up and saying, God, oh, hear that. God sent down a fire that killed your sheep and your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Before that servant finished speaking, a third one raced up and said, Three gangs of Chaldeans attacked and stole your camels. Now the oxen, the sheep, the cattle, the goats, everything's gone. All of your other servants were killed, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. That servant was still speaking when a fourth one dashed up and said, Your children... We're having a feast and drinking wine at the home of your oldest son when suddenly a windstorm from the desert blew the house down, crushing all of your children. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. When Job heard this, he tore his clothes and shaved his head because of his great sorrow. He knelt on the ground, then worshiped God and said, We bring nothing at birth. We take nothing with us at death. The Lord alone gives and takes. Praise the name of the Lord. In spite of everything, Job did not sin or accuse God of doing wrong. I want to be that strong. And every trial, every test, every moment of despair, every disappointment continuously leads me to that place. Remember, sometimes a breakthrough can be the beginning of a kind of breakthrough, a way of living in advance through a trauma that prepares you for a future of radical transformation. So here we see God's friend Job, and he does not turn. He does not begin to murmur nor complain. His trust and his faith is still in God. And in the meantime, if you've read this book in the Bible, you come to understand that his friends, Job's friends, that had at one point in time sought wisdom from him, did business with him, was trusted friends, began to tell him of all of his sins. Come on now. Not only does Satan accuse us before the Father, but sometimes do you ever have a family member or somebody that you're really close to that you're counting on to have your back when everything is falling apart and instead they begin to tell you every single thing that's wrong with you? And not only that, sometimes they put it on social media and tell everybody in the world, oh, you mess. Oh, I see. This is a group of people that have been there. Does that change that you're friends of God? Absolutely not. Does it suggest that maybe you should change your friends? Maybe. But I like the way that Job handled it. Because in the midst of significant transition, you may not understand what that process is. And the shift will not make sense to your natural mind. But God's strategy is for you and for me to break through so we can become a breakthrough for someone else. Let's see, do we have uh, my slide of intercessory prayer? In my personal experience, as I have grown into a, a more spiritually enlightened human being, I do understand and believe that we are uh, human beings and we do have supernatural experiences, but I believe that we are supernatural beings that have human experiences because when this clay vessel goes that supernatural aspect of our spirit is going to continue there's no distance in the spirit and so I learned to recognize especially after we started Word Alive International Outreach in 2000 that a lot of the infirmity and a lot of the different really incredibly strong emotions and downloads that I was receiving was not for me at all, you see. 
I've learned to recognize with my gifting, and this may not be your gifting, but I, I would speculate that in this room there are many of you that are called as true intercessors of God. And that you have many situations in your life that you think, what in the world is happening? What is going on? Why am I thinking these thoughts? But I have learned that for me, I experience a word of knowledge. If I have a pain or if I have something that once I go to the doctor and it's diagnosed, and it took me several years of doing this to realize that I am very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if you understand this, I'm happy that you do, but I'm sharing it with you because the breakthrough isn't always for you. And you see, that's the part of being a soldier. What do soldiers do? They go in and protect. They protect the vulnerable areas. They protect the weak areas. They stand guard. They stand in the gap. And you see, that's what intercession is. What does it tell us? In Chango, in the Greek New Testament, is found in 1 Timothy 2, 1, and 4, 5. And also in Romans 8, 26, and 34. Intercession, paga, to make intercession, originally, come on now, to strike down or against... Then in a good sense to assail anyone with petitions to urge and want on behalf of another to intercede for another. A similar idea is found in intextuous used as petition and in the New Testament intercession. The English word is derived from Latin intercedo to come between which has the meanings of obstruct and to interpose on behalf of a person and finally to intercede. You see, that's the strategy that I want to impart to you today. Because no matter what you're going through, no matter what has happened to you in this life, life is short. It's a vapor. It goes quickly. We are going to pass through this life. But while we are here, we are designed to create. We are designed to impart. We are trained to raise up an army of God. We are designed to be united. We are designed to work together. Yes, come on. And until we can get to that place, we're going to continue to talk about all of our issues and our problems and why we're stuck. God did not design us as the body of Christ, the army of God, to be stuck. He designed us to be on the offensive and to push through and to find the vulnerabilities in the Satan realm, in the satanic strategy. Whatever it is that Satan, the accuser of the brethren, has planned, we are supposed to be ahead of that plan, and we are supposed to be demonstrating great faith. I am so much more excited about that than you are. And I understand it. Look, I've, I've, I've lived a lot. I have been through a lot. A lot. I was in 21 car accidents before I turned 21 years old. Bad car accidents. It took me, after the one I was 15, it took me about eight years to get the glass out of my forehead. It was a little reminder, you were in the wrong place <laughs> at the wrong time. Any of y'all have reminders? You have little things that, that poke you and that you pick at, that reminds you, you don't want to do that again. I read something the other day. It was so funny. Why do I keep hitting myself in the head with a hammer? Because it feels so good when I stop. Why do we know we've got those little things that remind us mine it was glass in my forehead for years it's like ow that really hurts but there are other things there are words there are relationships there's divorce there's brokenness but back to our man Job this is what intercession looks like and this is what it looks like on the other side of a breakthrough in Job 42, 1 through 17, God restores all of Job's fortunes. But here's the key. First of all, he didn't stop praising God in the midst of all that. He lost everything. 
the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Intercession is a mandate. We pray for our children. We pr most of all, we pray when we're in trouble. But when you're armed and you have on the whole armor of God and you have a strategy, then you're not going to find yourself in the position that Job did. You're not going to be stuck. And God's not going to say, hey, Satan, what about my friend? What about my friend Jackie? She's stuck. We're going to have to move her. What does that look like for you? Sometimes God has to really do some pretty, pretty dangerous things to get us to move from where we're stuck. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 11 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that are the excellency of the power, and not of us, but of God. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For which we live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. No matter what you go through, no matter what God challenges you with, no matter what your disappointments, your despair, your disillusionment, your despondency, God has got a plan on the other side of that. And that's what breakthrough looks like. Now, today, we're going to pray for each other. The service isn't over. But in a few minutes, I'm going to release you. We've got a couple of little things, I think, that are really going to help us press through. But if any of those are your areas of being stuck, today's your day to be free. I've, I've mentioned a lot. Look, I'm telling you, molestation, rape, <laughs> abuse, brokenness, poverty. I, I mean, we had nothing. I mean, nothing. But somehow my mother always broke through. She trusted God with all of her heart. And we never went without food, shelter, clothing, but most of all, love. We never went without a thing. So if any of those things that I've mentioned, the infirmities, sickness, liver disease, kidney disease, cancer, whatever it is that you're dealing with personally, God has given us the power. It says right here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. By the Holy Spirit, the manifest glory and power of God lives inside of us. Power to act in the authority Jesus died for us to have. That power comes from the word exousia. And I just want to encourage y'all. I wrote this devotional, uh, I think in 1999. And I was looking for this little teaching and I found it. This, this has a wealth, and I do mean a wealth, of teaching and it it really stirs you to think for yourself so I encourage you on the way out pick this up take it home and be blessed by it and get one for a friend it's amazing this little teaching is in it the power to act in the authority of Jesus died for us to have comes from the word exousia it means the authority or right to act ability and privilege and capacity and delegated authority Jesus gave all believers you see you see we got a strategy we know where to intercede and now we begin to act in power because he gave all power and authority to preach teach 
heal, and deliver. That authority is still very much in power today and is just as able and willing to accomplish all of these things through the power of the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Exousia power is yours to take authority over what has risen up over you today. Through the name of Jesus, you can speak to problems and they will be removed. Whatever it is that is trying to crush you will be crushed as you release the mighty power that has been placed inside of you by the shed blood of Jesus. When you release your authority as a believer, that power then becomes dunamis, the dynamite power, the energy, the power, the might, the great force, the great ability and strength. It is for his glory and honor that we earthly vessels can contain such power and be the instruments that he would use to bring the light of God to a worst a lost world of darkness. God is speaking to his people in this time to pursue and overtake the enemy. The power God has given us is far superior and gives us the ability to overtake the enemy of our souls. The Lord is calling his people to be aggressive and intentional, not taking any flack from the enemy to go in and take back what is rightfully theirs. God is the just judge who rules in our favor. It is high time to awake, rise up, and take back all. Today is our day for a breakthrough. Do not leave your seats. Once this ministry time that you're getting ready to participate in is over, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to begin to pray for one another. I'm not going to say another thing. The exousius authority of God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ has now been released. So you can never say, no one ever told me that I have all authority to pray for the sick, to see souls delivered, to see people one for the kingdom of God, to pray for salvation. And now you have been imparted with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, of the loving God, to blow up anything that is hindering you and to break through on the other side side of whatever the enemy has stolen from you. Now watch this and be blessed. Hey guys, this is Candace Tenner. I'm here today to talk to you about breakthrough. I know each and every one of y'all have probably shared the same shoes and the same walk in some area of your life like I have. I've been broken and I felt like I've broken God's heart, but I'm telling you that those breakthroughs are the things that God uses to make you. There's never a moment where you're too broken that God's not taking his hand in to get you out of that brokenness, to turn it into a breakthrough. There's times in your life where people are going to turn around on you. They're going to walk away from you. There's going to be situations where you walk away from yourself. It's time to stop beating yourself up. It's time to stop thinking that there's nothing that you can do to get back to God. Because I'm here today to tell you that I have broken God's heart myself. And he has took his hand down. Just like Psalms 139 said, no matter if I make my bed in hell, he will come and he will get me and he will hold me with his hand. So today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I know, though, that God is going to get you through it. So today, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am who God has called me to be. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My mistakes are nothing more than yesterday because God has given me breath to be successful today. You are a masterpiece. You are not your mistakes. So right now, stop thinking of yourself like anything outside of the child of God you are. Some of the best things you should hear about yourself should come from you. I have been that person that beat myself down, that felt like nobody loved me when my family turned away from me, when I felt like my husband didn't love me and walked out the door, when there's been situations and doors closed and felt like there was never going to be an opportunity to be successful. But I realized that success isn't in the world. Success is found when you find God. He's always there wanting. He's always there wanting. You just have to be willing. So today, be willing to let God show you what real love feels like. Because love conquers all. It conquers all your sins. It conquers all your secrets. It conquers all the hurts. It conquers all the scars. It conquers everything that you feel like God cannot conquer because he can. And he is and he will. So today it's time for you to get your breakthrough. 
It's time for you to realize that you were broken for a purpose so that those chains could get off of you and break free from you so that you can be who God has called you to be. And that is the child of God that nothing on earth can separate you from him. So I love you guys. And remember that you are a masterpiece, that you are a breakthrough, and you are who God has called you to be. And that is a fearfully and wonderfully made child of God. And I love you guys. Have a great day. Remember, today is your day for your breakthrough. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Visit wordalive.org for more content from Word Alive International Outreach.